This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. There is a sense of loneliness, especially in the big city. You think people wouldn't feel this way, but a lot of people feel isolated. And the yoga community in general is a place where we strive for unity. I've been in many studios across the world, and that's one thing I see as a a real theme. There's a togetherness. Hi, and welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bussin. We're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss, should you live in an apartment or a condominium, which is best for your peace of mind? Also, is yoga for everyone? Coming into your practice later in life, is it a good idea? And when is it time to consider moving into a long-term care facility? But first, a bit of business. Support for today's show comes from the Benvenuto Group. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they've become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residences. I'd like to welcome our first guest, Mitchell Abrahams, who's the principal of the Benvenuto Group. He's a real estate professional with over 25 years of commercial and multifamily residential real estate experience. In his former role as Executive Vice President of Great West Life Realty Advisors, Inc., Mr. Abrahams acquired over $3.5 billion of Canadian real estate and was responsible for a portfolio of more than 14,000 apartments. He's converted apartments into condominiums and developed condominium and apartment projects. If anybody understands the urban residential market and condo market in Canada, it is this man. And I definitely need help understanding the market in Toronto. We have a growing population that wants to live in the city. We have limited infill space. And we have a liberal government and in some respects a municipal government who are inexplicably making it difficult for more housing in the form of apartments to be built. So, Mitchell... Welcome. Morning. Good to have you here. I guess my first question for you is, why do you think it's important that we have apartment stock in the city? I think it's important that people have choice. There are all kinds of agendas that people have when it comes to housing. When I look back to being a kid, it was a lot simpler. Uh, Wealthy people lived in big houses. Middle class people lived in smaller houses or in the suburbs. And other people lived in apartments. With the boom of condominium growth that we've had in Toronto in the last 20 years, it's added another factor to the market. Condominiums have made it difficult to figure out where do you want to live. 
Some people who would choose rental rent a condominium. Some buy a condominium because they don't see rental choice. Others stay in their house longer because they're not sure what to go to. It's confusing. I think the rental market is often part of the confusion. People confuse affordable housing with apartments because we haven't built apartment buildings in so long. The housing stock in Toronto, from a rental perspective, is 40 years old. It misses a a number of the things that people need today. And what what do you think people need today? I think they're basic, modern amenities and services that people demand, no matter where they're going to live. People want a dishwasher. They want central air conditioning. They want in-suite washer-dryers. And many of the old apartment buildings just don't offer that. So people pass over and call the whole apartment market dated uh, and not something they're looking for. So they go and they buy a condo or they stay in their house. But there's a need for a lot of people of uh, moving into high-quality modern rental. But it doesn't seem that there's much help coming in terms of trying to help get that part of the market started in any significant way. When you say help, you you mean governmental help? I mean at least governmental recognition that this is different from the condo sector. Uh, When people buy a condo to rent it as an investment, it's different from an apartment building developer building an apartment building. So, So what are those differences? Elaborate. Number one, when you're dealing with a, with a private person who owns a condominium, that's your only service provider. They're not an expert necessarily in the field. If you have a breakdown in your apartment, if the apartment above you leaks into your apartment, you're calling a person somewhere to save the day. In an apartment building, first of all, the design and secondly, the management levels are such that you're working to provide a healthy living environment for your residents. It's a big responsibility and people rarely talk about it, but when you're in a purpose-built apartment building, it's designed around long-term viability, about providing quality of life to renters to keep it viable for the long term. So why do you think, you know, I have my own ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I presume apartments weren't being built because it wasn't economic to be built. Is that, is that more or less the, the beginning and the end of it? That's a big part of it. For a long time, rent controls in Ontario constrained the amount of rent that you could get in an apartment building. So people looked at the alternatives with, with urban land and they said, interest rates are low. People uh, have money from selling their homes. Let's build them something that gives them all the services they want where we can make money. It takes a while as prices escalate and in kind where rents escalate until builders of apartment buildings look at it and say, we can make the economics work. And I think for a lot of people, they look at apartment buildings as long-term investments. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme to build an apartment building. It's a huge investment with a long-term view where you're building often more high-quality real estate than a condo developer because you want something that lasts and that has uh, an operating approach that, that makes money but a little bit of money over the long term. But you need a certain base level of rents and you need confidence that the legislation is going to support making that work for you in the long term. Right. So to clarify, you know, this discussion isn't about – you know, low cost rent. We're, we're, we're ta- you know, we're talking about market rents here. We're, we're not talking about housing, you know, for the population who perhaps couldn't afford to live in the city otherwise. We're talking about a different sector of the market, right? Our focus is building market rental, which is for right. people looking at it as an alternative to condo. There's a whole market of affordable that needs to be dealt with, but social housing is a hard thing to download onto the private sector. It can be done incrementally a little bit at a time, but our focus is on market rental. Okay. So, you know, if you were a benevolent dictator and, and, you know, part of that thought, knowing you well, that kind of scares me. I don't know if you'd be benevolent, but Mm -hmm. but assuming you would be, Mm -hmm. what would you do 
to facilitate the building of apartment stock in Toronto? What, what do you think needs to change? First of all, I think people have to understand the business. It's easy to say we're going to lump all rental together as if it's affordable housing, and that's our starting point as a government. We need to understand that there are people who really should choose to live in apartments. Young people are buying condos. It doesn't work for everyone. You want flexibility in your life. If you look at it and you say, this is a good investment, well, maybe for someone it makes sense. For others, they say, I may be living somewhere else in two years from now. I may have a different family set up. I may be engaged. I may be married. I may have children. It's just I I need the flexibility, so I should rent something rather than buy. There's also people, empty nesters, who say, I've done really well in the real estate market. I've sold my house. I have the money to retire. And the question is, should I put this money into a condominium or should I take this and should I travel or should I help my kids or should should I leave it aside for a rainy day? And for those people, if they have the choice to choose something of quality, renting may make much more sense for them. Okay. So in your experience, what sort of issues are important to people who are looking to rent in a high rise? Number one, I think the fact that you have tenure in an apartment building is a fantastic thing. And what I mean by that is when you rent a condominium, you never know when you're going to get notice from the owner that they want to take it back or sell it to someone who wants to move in. In an apartment building, you know you can be there as long as you want to be there. Number two, you should know if you're renting in a good apartment building that it's designed around renters. The suites have to be better. The systems have to be better. Uh, The management has to be better because you have someone who's going to be renting out this building year after year to real people who walk through, who see the space, and who understand this is a lifestyle that I could get accustomed to rather than just being influenced in a sales center and buying a condo and hoping that it's going to be what you dreamed it's going to be. Okay, so so one last question, and, and you know, I, I want to have you back on so we can delve into these issues a little bit more closely. Mm-hmm. What you seem to be saying is when you're conceptualizing the build of a, an apartment versus a condo, you're going to build literally build it differently because it's a different lifestyle. Is that what you're saying? Or That's one factor. You're going to build it better because you're going to own it long term and because you want it to succeed long term and because you want people to be happy so that they stay and don't decide to leave. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm glad you came on the show today because I think this is actually an important topic for all Torontonians going forward, certainly with the aging population. Next time you're back, I want to talk more about how new apartments are being built and address the modern lifestyle of urban high-rise renters. So will you come back next month? Completely look forward to it. We're going to have to take a short break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about starting a yoga practice later in life. You're listening to The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power. A blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms. Purica Power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption. Unlike many protein powders, Purica Power tastes great with water and mixes easily. It's available in chocolate, vanilla, and natural unflavored. From the Purica family to yours, Purica Power is a new way to make the most of every day. It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favorite health food store for Purica Power Vegan Protein or visit Purica.com. Purica. Nature. Science. You. I'd like to give a shout out to another sponsor, WeVibe, creators of the Couples Vibrator. WeVibe designs premium products that work with your body to enhance pleasure and intimacy for couples. Their line of vibrators is one of the most recognized and respected. 
With a team of world-class designers working closely with experts in sexuality, health, and wellness, WeVibe continues to set new industry standards for designing intimate products that work beautifully in sync with the human body. Want to infuse more passion and connect with your partner in exciting new ways? Go to WeVibe.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. And we're back. Jody Fishstein is a mixed lineage yoga teacher, loving many aspects of Ashtanga, Prana Flow, Vinyasa, and Yin Yoga. She has Thai yoga massage training and is currently immersed in MBSR protocols at University of Toronto. Through the dedicated work of Buddhist Chik Nhat Han, Jody experienced a shift that speaks to her inner peace. Being a mother of four opened the gates to empathy. With practice of deep listening, she's able to better understand her yoga community. I know Jody as a dynamic yoga instructor who leads classes at our OMTO yoga event and writes cerebral articles for Tonic Magazine. Her latest is about yoga for seniors. Hi, Jody. Welcome. Hi, Jamie. Great to see you. Now, I didn't take my first yoga class until I was in my 40s. And, you know, honestly, part of the reason for that was that I didn't sort of understand the yoga lifestyle. And I had some preconceived notions about what yoga was and what it would do for me. So, you know, I brought you in today because I know you to have a deep understanding of sort of yoga and the movement of yoga. And I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to understand, you know, what they could expect from yoga if they've never taken it before. So what can they expect? Well, I think that a lot of people have inhibitions around yoga because they think there's veganism, they think everyone is fit, or there's a lot of metaphysical dogma involved. But really what's happening in the yoga community is that there's a traditional lineage and then there's non-traditional. And there's also a blend of both. So I think that you can really find what you need if you just kind of strategize beforehand and just really think about what, what your goals are, whether it be purely fitness whether it be a little more self-study, um, inspirational, um, there's poetic symbolism, there's so much that you can gravitate to, right? And you can find that traditional, again, practice right. or non-traditional. So, uh, how, how would you do that? If you, were, if you had no connection to any yoga community, do you think there's online services that would help with that? Or? I think the research and the strategizing can be done online right. and then determine what it is your goals are, your fitness goals. And then if it's purely fitness, I think you can go anywhere. But if you're nervous or apprehensive, I think the best place to start is a yoga studio. Because really what happens is at the front desk of any yoga studio, they function as a triage. So they assess you, your ability, what your needs might be, and they try to guide you to the best possible class. And that could be traditional. It could be non-traditional. It could be very gentle. It could be meditative. When I first uh, started doing yoga, one of my concerns was, you know, did I have a requisite level of fitness? You know, would I be able to do the posing and the moves? So, you you know, what do you think about that? What kind of baseline do you need to do yoga? I think that that's a very um, healthy concern to have. And again, that's why I would say if that is a concern, go right to a yoga studio because they're trained to try to assess you and usually fill out a long, you know, bio or description about your health any uh, medical history that you're willing to share, and then they can safely guide you to a class that'll inspire you, but also meet you where you're at. 
Okay, and, and that's helpful. But if I were to come to a yoga studio and let's say I had some mobility issues, or you know, I was older, or I wasn't terribly flexible, like right. like, can anybody do yoga? Everyone can. I think that if there are some health concerns that that seem significant, and if you have the resources, maybe a private yoga session with a yoga therapist would be amazing. And then from there, they could either stay with you or guide you to a public class, right, with more people, and a class that's suitable. If someone's like me who, who doesn't buy into the yoga lifestyle, who doesn't want all the elements of it, um, you know, the spirituality and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, the veganism, etc., what can I expect to get from yoga? I think, again, it will go right back to you doing a little bit of research. That would be definitely a way to decide if you want the traditional aspects of yoga, which does include this metaphysical exploration, uh, this idea of seeking your highest self. Or you can go non-traditional and maybe it's more clinical in nature or maybe there it's more about anatomical referencing and alignment and cueing and, and some great music. I think also on top of that, you can have a blend of all those qualities in one class. I think you have to try it on like a pair of shoes, a few, a few pairs and figure out the one that you feel the most comfortable in. Yeah, that's good advice. Now, I came to yoga in my 40s, but, you know, if you were to come to your yoga in, you know, later in life, 50s, 60s, how would it fit into your lifestyle, do you suppose? I think bone health is um, a big topic right now, especially if you're over 30, because I think we reach mass uh, bone density. Yeah, bone density at around 30. So I think from age 30 on, we're working on keeping those levels up. And I think that if osteopenia or osteoporosis is an issue, Later in life, I do think yoga can help. Right. And I think you should start gentle, maybe with private sessions, move on to public classes, and just see where you find the most fulfillment and where you see a change in your fitness. And, uh, you know, one of the things I like to, you know, group classes, whether it's yoga or fitness, is sort of the communal aspect of the class. And I think that's more important as we age because, you know, some people become more isolated as they, as they get older. Do you, do you agree with me that that's an important aspect? I agree so much. And it's not just for retirees. I think there's a lot of people. There is a sense of loneliness, especially in the big city. You think people wouldn't feel this way, but a lot of people feel isolated. And the yoga community in general is a place where... We strive for uh, unity, you know, and I see it all across the world. I've been in many studios across the world, and that's one thing I see as a, a real theme. There's a togetherness. And, and, and that's what I enjoy uh, when I do go to yoga classes, to that sense of community. Well, thank you for coming in today to discuss yoga and your practice and your thoughts on it. We have to have you back on the, on the show again soon because you wrote an article for us uh, earlier this year on the synchronicity of yoga in a group practice. And I yes. sort of, I want to talk a little bit more about that because there's sort of a clinical side and study that's going on. So will you come back and discuss that with I us? I would love to come back. Fantastic. We just have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss when it's time to move to a long-term care facility on The Tonic. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take this opportunity to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Purely Natural. They're fourth-generation master herbalists. It's a family-owned Canadian company that's been in business for over 100 years. They've been working with my company, Tonic Magazine, for over 10 years, and its principal, Joel Thuna, has been writing our fantastic preventative medicine column for over seven years. They're one of the original sponsors for the OMTO Yoga Festival. The company is certified GMP, kosher, and organic. For more information about Purely Natural, please visit their website, purelynatural.com. 
Hi, I'm Jamie Busson, and I'm the publisher of Tonic Magazine and the host of The Tonic. I just wanted to remind you that The Tonic Talk Show is brought to you by Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness publication that I've been putting out for over 10 years. We're available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods, all in Toronto. You can learn more about the magazine by visiting our website, www.tonictoronto.com. And if you ever miss an episode of The Tonic, you can also hear it there. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest is Dr. Michael Sobolov. Michael graduated from the U of T Medical School in 1966. He held staff appointments at Doctors Hospital, where he was the chief of family practice for 17 years, as well as courtesy appointments at Mount Sinai Hospital and the University Health Network. He's been involved with long-term care in nursing homes since 1967, as well as an active family practice in Toronto. About six years ago, he left his family practice to devote all his time to long-term care. Currently, he serves as medical director and attending physician at a number of Toronto long-term care homes. I've asked Michael to come on today because he has a unique perspective on long-term care facilities. Hi, Michael. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks, Jamie. When I retire, which looks like it's going to be never, my plan is to stay in a house close to transit and a walkable neighborhood. Michael, your plan, which is much better thought out than mine, was to marry a much younger woman who is going to take care of you for the rest of your life. So kudos to you. For many people, uh, health or mobility issues uh, are going to come up and they're going to have to consider assisted living or retirement home or long-term care. So let's start at the beginning and get our terminology straight. What's the difference between an assisted living facility and a long-term care facility? Well, an assisted living facility is, is a retirement community. And the decision to go into into a retirement community is usually something that's made by the person or the couple. Very often it's a couple that go in a married couple that that would like some further security. Retirement communities, uh, there are a number of them in in Toronto and areas, and many of them are very good, very expensive. They provide what people want at that point in their lives, which is security. When you say security, like what sort of amenities are we are we looking at? Well, there will there will be activities, for example. For example, if a couple were living, an elderly couple were living in their own home, they get to a certain point where shoveling the walk is an issue, cutting the grass is an issue, going out shopping. When you move into a retirement community, meals will be provided. Usually at least one meal a day will be provided for you. There are activities. There are social actions, that, activities that go on. Most of them have uh, people your own age where you can have certain clubs, like, for example, bridge clubs. Uh, there may be physical activities like swimming pools, billiard tables, things to do. Right. Okay, so contrast that with a long-term care facility. A long-term care facility is a totally different different ballgame. What happens when the decision is made to go into a long-term care facility? That decision is usually not made by the person who's going in. It's usually made by their their family because this could be precipitated by a catastrophic event, for example, if somebody is living at home and they have a stroke, for example. Right. Or they fall and break a hip. They can no longer manage in their home. Uh, one of the commonest reasons for going into a long-term care facility is a la- loss of mental capacity, uh, the beginning of dementia, when people start to 
forget things. And somebody said to me many years ago, you know, if you forget where you put your car keys, doesn't mean you have Alzheimer's disease. If you forget what your car keys are for, then you know you got a problem. <laughs> and and what, what that translates into what they call executive function. It's not, uh, I mean, I forget names all the time. Right. Uh, Do you, you remember know, my name? Jamie something. Yeah, something or other. But I will never forget who you are. Right. <laughs> and what you do for a living. Uh, and that's, uh, or I, I, I won't um, forget how to turn the stove on and forget to turn it off. Uh, those are the important issues. When a decision is made by a family that their loved one, their father, mother, parents need long-term care, then they have to make some very important decisions. Where are they going to go? Right. And, and, and so what are the considerations in, in picking a long-term care facility that you think are relevant based on your experience? One thing is location. Because if, if you plan to go and visit the person after they're admitted, you want to be somewhere close. You don't want to be in another city or many miles away. And another thing, I think it's important to go into the home and take a look at it. Go take a tour. Don't necessarily be fooled by a new building because what you're really looking for is the kind of people that work there, the kind of care that you're going to be getting, the kind of... Um, feeling that you get when you walk in and talk to people. And, and so when you're touring the facilities, will you be able to speak with doctors and nurses and people that are living there? or You'll be able to speak to people that are living there. I'm not sure about doctors or nurses because that depends. Doctors, I know from my point, I, I make rounds in each of my nursing homes once a week. Right. So I'm not always there. But I see a lot of people coming on tours. Uh, family, they make an appointment, they come in, they look at the place, they talk to people, they see what it looks like, and get a general feel of the uh, of the institution. Uh, is there any other sort of uh, cardinal point that you think people should consider if they're if they're looking at a facility for their loved ones? What's what's the one important point? I think just what I said. I think how they feel about it. I think what what kind of a feeling you get when you go there. Look at people. Do they look happy? Is, when you're choosing a restaurant. You look in the restaurant and see if there's happy people eating there. That's right. That's, that's true. That's what I do when I look. Well, I, I, I look, look at menus first, but then, but then I look to okay. see if it's busy. Right? But if it's empty, there's probably a reason why it's empty. I think, and, and that's probably what happened <laughs> when we went for dinner on, on, on Sunday. We should have we should have maybe skipped the restaurant that we went to. But so I, I wanted to thank you for coming in today and, and sort of giving us sort of the bare bones of what you should be looking for. I'd love to have you back uh, on the tonic to discuss your views on how the province could improve long-term care facilities and the role of medical marijuana in long-term care. Will you come back? Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and our new website, thetonic.ca. For articles written by Jody Fishstein, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at www.tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss incorporating vegan protein into your nutrition plan, we'll bust myths about CrossFit training, and we'll talk about how to avoid dieting mistakes on The Tonic. This is Jamie Busson. Please join us next week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.